Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We are here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley on a very special episode. And special is really just nothing other than marketing spin for different. (laughs) My internet is down. That's right. It's a huge problem in our lives. In fact, I was thinking that there's probably nothing else from a utility standpoint that I would be more unhappy about not working for an extended period of time than internet. We're not going to have a story or a conversation about utilities, but for the last three weeks, my internet has been intermittent at best. And the especially cruel joke that the internet company has played on me is that they will fix it by Friday evening. It will work through the weekend as I'm testing it nervously. And then I I get ready for Monday morning. Okay, here we go. Kick off the week with a good start. And without fail, three weeks in a row now, no internet on Monday morning at 9 a.m. That's right. It works. It works even until 9 a.m. And then it just goes down. Hot water. I've done without that. Electricity. I've done without that. But when it comes to doing my job, which is one of my main loves in life, I love what I do. I love who I work with. Uh, Being disconnected in that way is just extremely, extremely hard. Even when you try to do, uh, okay, I'll work at Starbucks or I'll go to a Panera. I think they've like throttled down their internet now to half a megabyte a second. It's like, where do I insert my floppy drop? Like I've gone back to the the 80s. I'm expecting the the sound of the of the modem to kick on. So this is a very special episode. It's just me here alone because the internet is down <laughs> again. What we're going to do is of course going to be different because it's just me. There's no one to no one to bounce off of or, or talk with. And I already miss you at doctor. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to kick off with two quick stories. Eh, maybe not quick because what else do we have to, to do? Uh, first story is my wife and I are considering building a home on some acreage that we purchased a couple of years ago. So we, we bought the property. We've been paying down on it now for almost three years. And we're thinking four kids homeschooled. I work from home. We're here all the time. Lots of family togetherness, which is great. But when you're on video and audio and trying to record things the way I'm doing, especially one of the biggest needs is just having a more separate office space. So we're, we're on the hunt. We've talked to architects over the past year. We've engaged with a local home builder now to officially start drawing some plans. And my wife, as we're designing, she's trying to figure out room dimensions. This will now be the third house we've built, fourth, yeah, fourth new home that we will have lived in. So we've we know the process. I, I've been in the world. She's been through many times. It's not daunting. It's not scary. It's mostly just fun now when you've done it this many times. Uh, but when you're building on acreage, especially there's different concerns. Resale value probably not going to be the same return on my investment. Because if I build a house on multiple acres and it's the way that I need it for the way that our family lives, what are the chances that someone else is going to want that exact same thing? It's just, it's a little bit different. So we want to make sure we're taking our time and and going a little bit more slowly than we typically would. My wife wants to know about room dimensions in particular. How big of a family room do we really need when we have family? We're going to be hosting 21 people for Thanksgiving. And that's before any of my brothers or sisters uh, or her brothers has grandchildren. (laughs) Or we have grandchildren, right? So it's likely to get bigger. And we're just trying to figure things out. So what do we want to do? We want to hop in the car and go visit a physical space. However, I do have to tell you this other micro story, which I think is interesting insight into consumers' expectations. So I showed my wife a Matterport tour because she wanted to get dimensions and perspective. So I pulled up and I think it was from Fisher Homes, a local builder here, that one of the places we could go and tour. And we're going through the tour 
And she's like, this is incredible. I've never seen this. This is awesome. You can really get a sense of the space. She goes back downstairs quickly to get a cup of coffee or something. She comes back upstairs to the bedroom and she's like, okay, now that one was awesome. Now, where can we go to just look at a ton of those from all the different houses in our area? And I was like, honey, there's... There's there's no such place. There is no Zillow for Matterport tours, especially not one just for Columbus. And she just looked at me like I was from another planet. How could that be? This amazing thing. You mean we have to go home builder by home builder by home builder to look at that? And that made me harken back to some of the conversations that uh, John Lee from Rendering House and I have had over the years uh, as he's pressing forward, trying to create this other kind of marketplace of content that allows shopping, but also just unifies this. It, it, it did make me kind of wish for a moment that Amazon was actually in our space. And it also made me think about the fragmentation of content that we have as home builders, where there is on most home builder websites still, there's no one place where if you find a medium or a content that you love, that you can just go and essentially binge that content. That's what she was saying. She was saying, Netflix has trained me. I can binge content on demand whenever I want to. So how do I binge this 3D experience that I just found out exists for the first time? So we we have content about individual community on the community page. We have content about individual floor plan on that page. Sometimes we have a separate library that's almost impossible to search and just kind of a, a, a vomit of, of our best content in one place. <laughs> But we don't we don't really think about this idea of, of binging content. And we talked about that at the summit. I know some of you have made great strides on either starting your own podcast as a home building company, which someday we'll just do a kind of a review of all of the ones out there. Not even a review because we're not trying to criticize or, or give feedback, just applaud those of you going down this direction. I've seen a ton of additional video content of things that are quote unquote less exciting, less interesting but kind of fill a lot of the gaps from people who don't do this as often as the Oakley clan. Okay. So that was the mini story where now, now it's Saturday afternoon. It's around one, I think when we started our journey and we drove an entire mile across the Olentangy river to a neighborhood called Liberty Bluffs. And yes, I'm going to use the names of the companies, not to shame them, but to give full context to all the stories. If you're local in Ohio, you can go visit these places yourself. <laughs> Uh, see what happens to you. And I, it's not a popularity contest. So if if local builders are upset, that's okay. I want you guys to be able to go on the journey with me. So we go across the river to a neighborhood called Liberty Bluff. There's two home building companies there that are higher end, semi-custom custom builders, Bob Webb and Roman Alien Hughes. And they have a, two models up at the front of the entrance. We drive right past them. Again, setting the scene here, we're in our our Honda Odyssey minivan, my wife and I, and all four of our children, because my children at this point also love touring houses. They've done it their entire life with me, especially my oldest two remember going through houses on evenings and weekends under construction and, and taking a look at things that's going on. So they're like, we, we are not missing out on this chance to to go retro and, and relive our childhood. So we've got out the whole crew. So we drive past the model homes, beautiful homes. And I was surprised at first how intimidated I felt for, for a brief moment. Again, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm about to enter the lion's den here where we're going to get peppered with questions and kind of attempted to be closed and, oh, what's going on? So we, we just drive straight past the two houses and there's probably six inventory homes of value 700,000 and up just past the models. And there's signs out front that say, yes, we're open or tour. I don't, I don't remember exactly what they said, little A-frame signs in the driveway. And so my wife is like, hey, can we just stop at one of those before we turn back around? We were just trying to get a sense of, of everything. And we were planning to turn back around and go to the models, but we saw these signs. And so we pull over 
And of course, hesitancy. And my wife is like, let me just go in and see if this is really unlocked first, or is this some kind of trick? There's going to be a sign on the door that says, please go back to the model for a key, you know, that kind of thing. Nope. She, she finds the door wide open. So we get all the kids out of the car and it's again, a little bit of a shock of like, wow, this is a, this is not an entry level house and it's just unlocked. Uh, We go on a tour. The kids love it. It's a little bit small, not in total square footage, but just in the way that it's broken up. There's really only three main rooms on the first floor, no separate place for a homeschool or for us to send the children away. The very nice home finishes are great. Uh, Kids are like, can we just buy this one? This one's great. Look at the finished basement. We leave. We say, hey, let's go check out the next one. And we did this three or four times before we ever went to the model. And what's interesting is none of those experiences, even if the floor plan was not a fit for us or the finishes were not what we would have chosen, at no point did we say, well, this means we don't have to go to the model home because these are all unfurnished but completely finished houses. And it was just part of her journey of wanting to obsess over this information and and feeling room sizes. And she felt like she was getting what she what she was looking to do. And we did go up to a I think the fifth one, and there was a note on the door that said, hey, uh, please call this number or visit the model to gain access. We later found out that was just a ploy. It was also unlocked and we could have gone straight in. Apparently, uh, Roman Alien Hughes's kind of standard operating procedure is unlock every inventory home every weekend. And again, the whole time we're in the house, I'm thinking salesperson saw us drive in, probably recognizes that this car does not belong here. And they're going to intercept us, right? They're going to leave the model. They're going to come and find us. And then the closing will begin. Never happened. Uh, no self-registration tools, no counting devices. Trust me, I'm looking for, are there, are there cameras? Are there, and maybe we'll find out later that there are. I didn't see any cameras or any devices counting the fact that we had visited those homes. But I got to tell you, even though the marketer in my mind would not shut off, I thought this is really, really nice. We're able to experience these homes without any pressure. And again, that's a weird thing for me to say because I like salespeople. Generally speaking, they give me information that I need. I don't have the typical consumer fear of of that because I've been doing this long enough. But it was just a great experience with the kids. There was a little bit of hesitancy. I've I've got four rascals. Are they going to damage something? So that was a little bit stressful having them with us. But just being able to walk in multiple houses by the same builder in the same neighborhood was a great customer experience so far. So we decide, okay, let's go tour the Romanelli model. We go in a very nice couple, general real estate agents, I think, who who work for the builder, maybe in addition to to selling used homes. Not sure about that, Um, but it's kind of the typical, hey, go around, take a look. So we're like, okay, this is essentially kind of we're continuing this unattended access tour here where they're here, but they just said hi and go look around. So we look around and then again, the value of the salesperson is shown in that my wife can ask questions, get more detailed information, understand what is included, what's not included, even though we're not even considering at the current time buying with them or building with them. She still just wants to know, right? To, to help her her mind understand what what is a good value, what she can trust for the other builders we're talking to. Rather uneventful, but we're not asked to register. We're not asked to sign in. No information from us is gathered about anything. We did get some uh, pre-made Halloween candy bags for the kids. They thought that was great. <laughs> but and again, my marketer 
brain is saying missed opportunity here. Okay. So then we go across the street to the Bob Webb model. Similarly beautiful house, but we walk up and the front door, it's a different design. So it's a little bit, you can't really tell where the knob is. It just looks like it opens and closes. Maybe it's just a different design, very beautiful, but different. So we try to open it and it doesn't open. We're like, well, that's weird. Is it locked? And like kids on trick or treat where you're not sure if you're getting candy or not, we kind of pause. There's awkward. We're peering through the windows trying to figure it out. And, um, we almost start to turn around and then finally the salesperson opens the door, unlocks the door actually. So turns the key, the click, lets us in and says, oh, thanks so much for stopping by. Now come to find out later, full story, this is not a salesperson, it's a sales assistant. I believe, because she made reference to the fact that the typical person was not here and she was filling in. And again, always observant, <laughs> trying to be observant. I noticed that there is a stack of, of uh, medical sales type literature in a briefcase. And I'm like, well, maybe she was on a call. I don't know. But it's just, I can't overexpress how awkward of an initial entry that was where I could walk through these finished homes completely by myself. And now this model home, now around two o'clock on a Saturday, is locked with signs out front that says, open, please come in. It's just a very, very strange way to kick things off. We're, again, trying to get an idea of, of space, and this lady is not really able to give us much information about dimensions. We ask if there's a floor plan of the model. She goes back to check as we continue to look around. There isn't a floor plan, but she says, you know what I can do is I can take your information and I can have the salesperson when they get back, they can probably email something over to you or give you some more information. I'm like, ah, okay, let's, this is, let's see what happens. She gets out a thank you card, blank thank you card, and just opens it up and says, go ahead and put your name and email address in here. And then I'll be sure to pass that along. This is again, interesting. No registration device of any kind. I, I'm not sad that there is no registration card because that's a little bit old school in today's world, but no, no iPad, no digital registration tools, no, no nothing, just a, an empty thank you card and please fill in your information. So I do, and I don't use a pseudonym. I just say Kevin Oakley address, e email address, below and we head out. And before we head out, she says, Hey, you know, there are a lot of other great Bob Webb models. You should go check out this one in particular. That's about a 15 to 20 minute drive away, but it's fantastic. She's got this brochure. I think it's it, like, it's self-titled the show home of the city or some amazing thing. And so we're like, yeah, it's, it's two, two fifteen or so. Uh, let's go ahead and head over there. We'll, we'll drop the kids off real quick. Our oldest is 13. She can, she can rid us of the constant fear of breaking something and then we'll head over there. So we, we do that. We stop off at a local small, maybe does three, four homes a year builder right across the street from where we live at a come to find out shockingly million dollar inventory home. He was there, but there was also people there getting their senior portraits taken. Again, just kind of a strange experience. We pull up, there's another uh, group of people out front with a camera. And then we, as we're touring the house, they're, they're posing for senior portraits. So I don't, I don't know the story there. We go ahead and drive to this neighborhood 15 to 20 minutes away. Uh, it's called Jerome Village, or it's, it's a section of Jerome Village in, uh, in the Dublin Marysville corridor of Columbus, Ohio. We get there outside. It does appear to be a stunning model home, great streetscape great presence about it really looks sharp from the outside a huge sign out front that says show home we go up and it is locked and it is dark and there is no one there now we were just sent there by a representative of the company to go see this house you have to go see this house she actually sold us on going to see this house and commented that it should be open until five o'clock or so we were there around 3 30 on a saturday afternoon completely shut down no way to gain access no enter now tool, no nothing. What do we do? We say, hey, doesn't Romanelli also build somewhere around here? <laughs> and we pull up 
to two different Romanelli and Hughes inventory homes and take a tour. So at this point, just from a a customer experience, uh, even just a trust factor. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to use the trust word just because we were sent to a model that's not open. My wife has no interest, I guarantee you, in going back to any any model location of Bob Webb's because of that interaction. It's just the hard, hard truth. Romanelli, on the other hand, what do you think if we ever get the itch again to go back out on a weekend, where are we going to go? Wherever Romanelli is, we'll just basically spin the wheel and say, which community of theirs have we not been to and go tour more of their product? Okay. That was a long story time, but that's, that's where we are so far. We're giving a check to another local semi-custom home builder and company to start drawing the plans. And I'll keep you updated from there as things go forward. We're, we're still, we're pretty sure we want to build, but you know, the, the financial freedom that comes from living under your means is kind of feels good. We've been used to that now for, for, for a couple of years. And so don't be mad at us if we end up stopping this journey. I think we're going to continue moving forward, but we shall see. Okay. Story number two, the minimum standard of marketing in today's world keeps rising higher and higher. And that's not a wow, but I thought about it differently, more deeply after an interaction with one particular home building company, someone we've worked with for a couple of years, and it's they, they do an okay job they, when it comes to digital marketing and advertising. Their website has been a problem from the beginning, and even though they've redone it twice in the time that we've worked with them, the requirements that they put on the developer are kind of strange. Uh, it's just not a good consumer experience. And so it still is a hindrance, even though it's newer, newer than a lot of the other folks that we work with. But what, what they've been used to for so long, build a good enough product with a good enough value slash price offering, and it will sell with rather minimum amounts of exposure, both online or offline, because they have a pretty strong realtor relationship that they've created over the years. And realtors have brought customers to finish inventory homes and it sells. And what they're running into at a rather drastic level, considering their past success, is this inability for leadership and management to get their heads around what the minimum standard looks like today. And so they'll do interesting things where do we have the ability to look at floor plans on our own website with multiple images and descriptions, kind of maybe like one out of every four has what I would consider to be the minimum amount of quality necessary or content and quality of that content necessary to really shop or browse inventory for a prolonged period of time in today's world. But then they'll say, hey, we're going to do these crazy 3D tours with headsets and we've set up a, a big huge television screen in a in a framed house and just they're they're not crazy ideas in and of themselves but it's crazy in the fact that they're trying to go in a lot of cases from you know 15 miles an hour to 115 miles an hour and missing everything in between and it's really just that they don't have this culture of what what the minimum standard of of marketing especially digital marketing is and they've hired some younger folks who have caught the vision and are excited, but also daunted by the fact that, wow, we've kind of coasted for so long here that the minimum standard seems exceedingly high. It's the same, you know, it's easier to keep up than it is to catch up. And they have a lot of catching up to do. Now, there's even other ways that I've thought about this today that minimum standard is in terms of quantity and quality of content for sure, the user experience for sure. If your website takes three to four seconds to pull up and load all of your inventory homes, the people think the page is maybe broken. 
And again, it's communicating something, even at a small subconscious level, about trust in this organization. <clears throat> there, there's all that. But then there's also the minimum standard of discoverability. So the minimum standard of attention, how much attention are we getting? Are we in the right places to get the right kind of attention for, for the right length of time from the right audience? There's, there's a minimum standard of attention. And then there's also a minimum standard of discoverability. And this is really where this builder, I think, is being hurt. It's not just an attention because they get plenty of website traffic. They get plenty of people who are aware of them by coming to the site from advertising, from organic, all that. But what they don't have when it comes to product is good discoverability. And this is a weird one. Check me here if you think I'm crazy. <clears throat> Their main approach to marketing inventory homes is the same basically as it has been, which is get it in the MLS. Get it in the MLS early, get in the MLS often, keep the imagery kind of up to date, but just outsource it to the local MLS affiliate who takes, you know, the pictures that say photo property of MLS that, that, and I don't even know that they still say that, but it's that kind of a quality level of a lot of those imagery, lower resolution, just some, some not great, but that's been their main way to make sure that their homes are discovered is put in the MLS so that realtors and some companies who are getting the data from the MLS can push out that content. And it's so easy to find massive amounts of information on a Zillow, on a new home source, all sorts of different places that I think discoverability is actually kind of a problem. And we see this all the time. And you've probably experienced this too, where you have a house that hasn't sold for a long, long time and you just give it the attention it needs. You're not, you're not renovating the house. You're not changing the counter. You're just giving it the attention it needs internally, and then you're making sure that it's discoverable by putting enough money behind it that, that it is out there. And sometimes that happens, once that, once that process occurs, the sale happens really relatively quickly. Like sometimes when we work with somebody, it's, it's two or two, two days, as short as two days to a week or so to sell a house that's been sitting around for a year. How is that possible? It might be possible because you went and got some new content created around the property. But in most cases, it is simply that you are making the house more discoverable. So there's two parts to attention, right? There is the, the is it even flying past your eye to be able to be discovered at all? And then there is the holding of the attention, the converting of that attention to genuine interest, and then them ultimately reaching out to take the next step. So the minimum standard keeps rising, not just in terms of content quality and volume and depth, but also obviously advertising and simple discoverability of your product. And this builder in Texas is really, really in a, in a full on out battle internally because it's, it's just different than what's been done before. I don't, we don't understand. We've always just put good priced homes in the MLS and things sell. And that is just not, it's just not the place we live in. That's, this is where I'd kick it over to, to Andrew to give his take. But that, and when an organization is dominated by operational perspective of what is the value of marketing, and this is maybe where I'll, I'll wrap us here to a, to a quick break, marketing can only do so much. Yep, I said it. And you've heard me say this in different ways. You can't fix something that is on fire. You're not a professional firefighter. You can't turn the ugly pig into a beautiful princess. Right? There's only so much that marketing can do, good marketing advertising. You can work on discoverability. You can work on attention. You can tell stories. You can do all these great things. You can repackage, but you can't just fix something that is a, a total loss from the standpoint of we want to make 50% margins or we just made up this price because that's what our cost is plus a certain percentage. 
you can't fix that stuff. So there is this natural limit of even exceptional marketing, how much further it can take you on a product uh, or a price point that is just incorrect. And yet there's also this other part that says we don't need marketing at all. And that goes back to this minimum standard of the minimum standard, not hitting that minimum standard will really, really, really hurt you. And when you do it great, it will kind of help you. And, and I know I'm, I'm over indexing here because of where my head's at for this particular company or companies like them. But great marketing, we've talked about this before, a great brand isn't going to convince someone to put their kid in a school district that they do not want their kids to go to. They're not going to say, well, Happy Acres Homes, you know, those people we've we've followed and they have great content and they they go viral sometimes. Sometimes they're funny. They give us great insight on design. They're not going to say, okay, we'll go ahead and send our kids to the, the school that has a one star rating out of 20 because they have a great brand. So great branding, great marketing is going to get you so far, only, only so far. And at the same time, not hitting that minimum standard can be very, very, very detrimental. Okay, let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll talk a little bit of quick news and wrap this up. All right, got a refill of the coffee and let's dive into a couple of quick news stories. Now, there won't be links necessarily to these, but like the rest of the episode, we're just going to do things a little bit different. We got an email. Actually, we've gotten a lot of emails from our Facebook connections that have been very interesting. The first, though, of which is you know, Facebook has really been encouraging us to not put things only in the news feed are only in stories. Even though that's where things are performing the best, they really want us to click the, or give, give Facebook the ability to put those ads anywhere in their entire network, including uh, in, in other web pages and other apps in their audience network. The right hand piece, which you've heard me say, isn't worth the two cents it charges you to be there. But they keep saying, hey, give us the ability to optimize that for you. And we've always said no. And they've come up with a new incentive. So we just got an email uh, the other day that said, hey, we will give you extra money, extra ad dollars if you click that button. Now, how much extra money seems to vary by how important they think you are or an individual builder in this case. Uh, their campaign is, they reached out about one builder we work with and said, we will give you a five to one increase. So for every $500 you spend, we will give you $100, which just shows their commitment to really needing that to happen. Some of the behind the scenes there might be that they're running out of inventory. And I think that's the biggest reason, the more that I even just think about this now, they're running into Black Friday season as well as holiday shopping season. And they've already had messages galore about, hey, don't be surprised if prices go up. Don't be surprised if inventory drops. And I think they're terrified that this will be the year where everyone really hops on the let's run a Facebook or Instagram ad bandwagon and they run out of inventory in stories and in the feed. And so how badly do they need to put your ad in those places that do not perform well? Apparently at least $100 to every 500 that you're spending. So that's news story number one is that Facebook really wants you to give them more control. And as of yet, we still don't recommend it. A lot of times it doesn't really end up mattering. So we might test this one out simply because the AI, if you program it correctly from Facebook, even though that right-hand rail ad is an option, it won't put anything there because it knows that the goal you're telling it you want isn't going to be accomplished by showing an ad there. That's news story number one. News story number two is that Unbounce has unveiled an updated product that they are calling Smart Traffic. And essentially, for a landing page service like theirs, they obviously have the ability to A-B test. 
Okay, we've got two different versions of the landing page. Which one does better? You've got to run them for a period of time and then you pick a winner and then you try a new test, right? That's what landing pages, uh, services, this type of solution they offer. And what smart traffic does is it says, hey, let our AI, in essence, send people to the right landing page. So A-B test is all about averages, right? You're going to send half the traffic to one page, half the traffic to another. Which one works the best as an average is the winner. And what they're saying is no need to do that because you can have multiple versions, keep them all live. And we will, based upon who's coming in, we will optimize that page. We'll send them to the one that is most likely to convert that particular user. So I'll just read it from their press release here. In a nutshell, smart traffic lets you optimize for conversions with minimal traffic budget and time, even those for whom A-B testing is out of reach. Smart traffic optimizes for unique visitors instead of the average visitor, getting you the best conversion rate possible. That's what I was just talking about in terms of sending the right traffic unit to the right version of the landing page instead of picking one ultimate winner that is the average. Smart traffic shortens the time it takes to optimize a landing page compared to A-B testing because you don't have to wait a period of time for one to win and one to lose. It's just all is going to send it in theory to the best landing page for that user. And that's what they're calling smart traffic. More to come on that later, but that also caught my eye as we talk about the news. All right. That's really all I have prepared in the news section for you this week. Let's hop over and answer a couple quick questions from the Facebook group or from my email that I think will help all the rest of you. And then we'll call it an end to this week's episode. Oh, wait. One more important news piece, and we'll actually put this at the top of the show notes. Uh, Monday morning is the deadline to enter for professional builders 40 under 40. So if you know someone who deserves to be nominated, make sure you do that before the end of the day on Monday, November 25th, I believe is the deadline. Uh, make sure you do that. And a lot of people have asked me, hey, any tips or ideas? Just make sure you get other people to uh, kind of plus one that nomination to add in an extra cause. So don't be afraid to tap into your network and say, hey, can you do me a favor and add a quick note or two uh, of additional insight? Because it really is a collection of, of all of the information submitted, as well as the references and, and examples of, of work. It, it's the whole story of the applicant that they're reviewing. So that definitely can help. So make sure you check that out too. Okay, let's hop over and answer some of your questions. Okay, let's start back with really a demand. I'll, I say jokingly from Brian Hamilton, who said, Hey, Kevin, super helpful back in 2017, the budget article that you created. Any updates for 2020? I imagine it's close to the same, but I'd love to hear your take. So I accepted that challenge from Brian and I did create a new 2020 budget update. And what's a little bit different, it's, it's not surface level, it goes pretty well in depth, but it also includes a link to an Excel file of multiple different starting points, depending on how large of a builder you are, as well as if you plan to be doing a major website revamp or relaunch in the coming year. That expense can certainly adjust what uh, a flexibility you have in that budget. And so it's kind of a choose your own adventure from there, but it gives you a good starting point and benchmarks from across the industry uh, of how much to spend per channel as a place to start. Uh, so definitely check that out. If I had one wish for all of you, it would be that you would use that tool to figure out how much you should be spending and where online. The second would be that you'd go to the analytic uh, deep dive uh, blog post and video series that we created for you. We got we, we are going to double and triple down on this idea of you deserve to have access to your data and for the data not to mislead you accidentally or intentionally. The intentionality part, I don't even want to go much into, but 
some partners are do not have your best intentions in play. And so you need to own that account. You need to have complete access to it whenever uh, you would like. And you want to make sure you understand how custom channels are set up or maintained or what conversions are being set. Uh, instead of just looking at a report and saying, look, our conversions are up. And then realizing that the conversion that set was simply people spending more than two minutes on your website or whatever. Um, so check out the budget article, check out the analytics article. And then um, the third one coming soon, preview of, of another piece that should drop probably shortly after you hear this episode is we're doing another um, kind of our favorite things list, stealing from Oprah, a list of some of our favorite products that marketers or just anyone in business should use cameras, webcams, drones, backpacks, battery uh, power supplies for, for when you're traveling on the go, all kinds of awesome stuff in there. And yes, there will be affiliate links in that article, but 100% of every dollar that's raised is going to go straight to a charitable organization called STC Guatemala. That's the place that my family and I go down there. So we're going to pass straight through all of the proceeds there to them because they, I think they're going to be spending like close to $7,000 this year on purchasing Christmas gifts for multiple villages. And the goal is to get every child and family member there to get something for Christmas. And so that's the big push there on that article. And if you want to submit your own list, I'm sure we'll do a, a post here in the group about that list existing, but also feel free to continue to add to your own list. I'd like to this to just kind of grow organically year after year of our best of the best products list of if you're going to do some Black Friday shopping or you uh, get a gift card from your employer and you don't know what what uh, cool gadget you need just to kind of a running list there. The other thing we'll probably have is some podcast equipment suggestions uh, for you too. So check out that. That was a long time to answer that question. Uh, Dolly asked, does anyone have a recommendation for a texting service for prospects? And Amanda jumped in and said Avo Chato and said that she really enjoys it. No one else answered that, but I, I will say you do have to spend the time. There, there's no one size fits all. It really is about what you're trying to accomplish. Obviously, tools like CallRail can handle texting. Uh, Twilio integrations are a great way to go if you're like an enterprise level company, a top 20, 25, you can create some really cool custom applications for texting there. But it's all about this trade-off of convenience, complexity, and cost. Convenience for your own sales team or inside sales team to use. Complexity, how, how much complexity do you want in that system? How much do you need? And, and then cost, obviously, is a big one as well. Okay, let's check the email box and see if there's anything else. There's some other ones, but I want to give them time for other people to toss in their two cents before I try to, well, I kind of inadvertently dominate the conversation. Okay, that'll do it. For articles, videos, tips, and more, check out doconvert.com. It's also the place where you can figure out where the Do you Convert team is going to be speaking at the Builder Show this coming year, other events on the horizon like the Online Sales Academy. We've got a webinar coming up with Jen Barkin uh, with Lasso talking about prospecting and long-term follow-up. All kinds of great stuff there for you to do. You can also join the newsletter. Make sure you join the Facebook group and have a great week and we'll see you next time.